Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Investing with Steve Davenport and Clem Miller. Every two weeks, Steve and Clem bring you brief investment insights you may not find anywhere else. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Here are Steve and Clem. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of Skeptic's Guide to Investing. On this episode, we're going to talk about Apple. No, not the fruit, but the stock. As I'm sure you all know, Apple is a stock in the S&P with the highest weight, about 7%. Clem, do you own Apple in your stock portfolio and at what weight? So, Steve, yes, I certainly do own Apple. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously a lot of folks own Apple, um, but I'm actually quite underweight Apple. You know, as you mentioned, uh, Apple has a 7% weight in the S&P 500 uh, as the highest weighted stock. I have 1.8% of my portfolio uh, in, uh, in Apple. So really, I'm, uh, I'm quite uh, underweight uh, the stock. And I have some reasons why, and we can go into that. Well, so you're underweight Apple um, relative to the S&P. What are your main concerns about Apple? So I'm I'm really mainly concerned about its revenues. Uh, its revenues have declined by three percent over the last twelve months. Uh, the market seems to be expecting only about five percent revenue growth over the next year, and you know the market's always sort of optimistic about these forward projections. So it actually might be uh, another decline when it comes out. While earnings per share are boosted by Apple's share buyback program, uh, still earnings per share has been flat over the last 12 months. And with only about 5% earnings growth expected over the next year. So basically, you know, you could say that, you know, just sort of abstracting from the exact numbers, you can say that that Apple's growth has ended and it's just sort of flattened out in terms of both revenues and earnings. So if we were to make the nature analogy, the apple is sitting on the tree, but it's about to fall. <laughs> well, that's that would be the concern. It's sort of uh, it's sort of uh, wobbling up on that tree. And got a uh, windy day, it could be all over, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Um, what, what explains Apple's declining revenue? I see it everywhere. I see stores full. I see, you know, the brand out there. But what's making the revenues decline? So really, the main thing is a lack of customer enthusiasm uh, for the iPhone 15. And this has actually caused some concerns about whether the iPhone 16, which comes out uh, this fall, uh, will actually do any better than the iPhone 15 has. We have to keep in mind that you know a lot of the improvements to iPhones have been, you know, sort of very incremental and that we're talking about a product that costs a great deal of money. And for individuals out there, you know, it's a, it's a large, it's a large purchase. And so, you know, when, if they're going to purchase a new one, they're going to want to purchase it, uh, purchase something that has a lot of new, bells and whistles and and very powerful uh, new features. And 
a lot of folks when they looked at the iPhone 15 uh, thought, well, you know, maybe this is not the year to to actually buy a new iPhone. You don't get excited about titanium cases? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, the thing I find is that because the technology keeps changing, you want to get a new one. But the ones that you have, I mean, they're going to work much longer than you anticipate. And I've held most of my iPad and iPhones for much longer than I expected I would. So I, I think that they're almost creating part of their own, you know, they want you to resume every three or four years, but they have a product that lasts five to six. So most people, you know, will, I think, make the economic decision to delay. Um, what about the issues in the Chinese market? Can you talk about those? So, yeah, China's a big market for iPhones. However, Apple faces some problems uh, in China. Apple's big Chinese competitor, Huawei, uh, just came out with advanced phones using new seven nanometer chips. Everybody was quite surprised that Huawei could produce seven nanometer chips, given the export controls the US and others have, have imposed on semiconductor equipment manufacturing and semiconductor design sales into China. Another factor that Apple is facing in China is that the Chinese government has decided to ban use of the phone uh, by government employees. And you know this also is a, this comes out of national security concerns uh, from the Chinese side that you know perhaps these phones uh, include you know technology that would snoop on data. You know pretty much the same kind of concerns that the U.S. has had about you know Huawei uh, telecom networking equipment and uh, uh, and TikTok as well in terms of being able to collect data. Do you, do you think it's just about that, or do you think it has to do with what Apple's decision is regarding moving their production when there were problems at the uh, factories during COVID and moving moving some of that um, manufacturing capability to India really seems like it was the slap in the face to the Chinese government. And uh, could they be reacting to that? Well, you know, I think, you know, we're going to talk uh, more about uh, the these decisions about moving. Uh, but I, I would say that in terms of a reaction by the Chinese government, uh, I think it has a lot more to do with the things that I mentioned, which, uh, you know, which had to do with the government employees and the market, uh, you know, the market demand uh, declining uh, on account of the competition from Huawei. Uh, I think, you know, I think, you know, no, the Chinese government is not saying, you know, apart from restricting uh, government employee uh, use, you know, the, the Chinese government is not saying you can't sell here. Uh, so I don't think that it has anything to do, uh, yet, uh, with this, you know, idea that, uh, that Apple might move. Um, but, you know, we'll see, right? Yeah. That's what makes, that's why we play the game. Yeah. What about Apple, other products in the app store? Are they making up for some of the slowdown in phone? Well, you know, the iPhone constitutes such a large proportion of Apple sales. So 
you know, the other hardware products and the app store, they just don't make a huge difference uh, when the iPhone isn't doing all that great. Do you think the investors are concerned about the Asian supply chain for Apple's chips and handsets? <clears throat> yeah, of course they are. Um, so Apple is reliant on chips made by Taiwan Semiconductor. That's the world's largest uh, semiconductor chip fabrication foundry. And of course, Ta Taiwan is in China's crosshairs. Uh, in fact, they've been dropping hints, uh, including to President Biden uh, out at the uh, ASEAN summit in, uh, in San Francisco, uh, or the APEC summit, I should say, out in uh, San Francisco, uh, that uh, they might invade sometime between 2025 and 2027. Um, who knows, right? Uh, some people say Taiwan has a silicon shield. That's the quote. That's the term uh, a lot of folks are using in the foreign policy community, a silicon shield against Chinese invasion. Maybe I would say, but certainly that's uh, that's not guaranteed. Um, you know, the idea behind the silicon shield being that China itself depends a lot on Taiwan semiconductor chips. So they don't want to uh to to cut off their nose to spite their face right um, yeah i mean isn't apple trying to develop their own chip so they yeah can be autonomous? So, yeah so uh you know i'll you know they are trying to develop their own chip um but you know at the moment they're you know they're very dependent on taiwan um semiconductor and see with the chips act you know that was passed by the biden administration It'll help Apple. It'll help them reshore chip supply. Chip supply it might help Apple develop their own chip. Uh, might help Taiwan Semiconductor uh, build uh, facilities in the U.S. You know they they've already started uh, to do that. Um, will help Intel uh, build some uh, new chip uh, capacity in the United States. But the thing we have to realize, and this also goes to your point about about uh, changing production capacity from china to india is that reshoring and friendshoring which are the the new buzzwords for this are really long-term goals it takes many years to build semiconductor plants uh so this uh this doesn't happen in overnight i mean semiconductor plants are some of the most sophisticated manufacturing uh facilities in the world requires a lot of clean water for example the these these uh these facilities are very very high tech and it, it's not something that you can build uh build overnight and i do want to come back to um to another point uh that i want to make even beyond just uh semiconductor chips is that mobile the mobile handsets that apple uses uh, are actually made in China itself uh, by Foxconn, which is a subsidiary of a uh, of a Taiwanese Taiwanese company called Hanhai Technologies. Uh, but Foxconn makes the uh, makes these uh, handsets, and so it, Apple has a dependency on China um, with respect direct dependency on China with respect to these handsets. Uh, not just the uh, the dependency on uh, the chips coming out of Taiwan Semiconductor. No, that's uh, part of the picture that I think people need to understand is there's a lot of inter interconnections 
Um, I guess as an investor, I'm happy to see companies making longer term and thinking longer term, right? There's plenty of companies that think short term and act short term and you, you get frustrated. So I guess I'm, you know, I think it's great that Apple is trying to reshore or friend shore or just, you know, I, I like being at the shore. I just went to a wedding at the <laughs> beach. Um, so I guess another potential issue would be the e EU, European Union competition policy. What can you say about that? So the EU is getting more aggressive on dealing with U.S. mega cap tech companies. Um, in fact, they just put out uh, something called the Digital Markets Act, uh, which uh, squarely aims at at you know Google and Microsoft and Apple and Amazon and and Meta, um, all the magnificent seven minus uh, obviously uh, Tesla. Um, but they're getting more aggressive. Um, you might have noticed that the that Apple had to uh, 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 move from its proprietary Lightning cable to the USB-C um, cable um, as part of its iPhone 15. And guess who caused that to happen? The EU. It was an EU standard, and the USB-C was is uh, is an EU standard uh, product. So. This was a way of uh, of the EU sort of getting involved in market decisions involving U.S. companies. So that's a you know, EU standard setting actually has a name attached to it. It's called the Brussels effect, where essentially uh, the EU makes standards for the whole world. That's the idea anyway. Uh, they've taken the standards that they impose throughout the European Union and uh, and you know they require anybody doing business in the EU uh, to uh, use it also uh, you know worldwide, and so that's that's how Apple uh, was required to uh, to actually do that. That doesn't sound very uh, open. Um, no, no. And who knows? They might make changes to the App Store as well, Steve. Clem, let's consider your valuation point. Um, you consider Apple to be overvalued. Um, we use Morningstar. Do I use what? Morningstar has a price target of 83. So it's um, rated a two and it's overvalued. Um, can you put some metrics on what your valuation point is? Well, I'm looking, I don't set, in my own analysis, a particular price target. Uh, I'm not sure that price targets are terribly reliable, to be honest with you, um, even from a prestigious organization like Morningstar. Um, I would say, though, that I look at their trailing PE and their forward PE, and I see a trailing PE of around 30 times and a forward PE of around 28 times. Um, I see that they those PEs were a lot lower at the beginning of 2023 before a share price surge. And I just think based on those and the fact that revenues are are flat or declining, earnings are flat or declining, I just see uh, I just see Apple as being you know quite uh, quite uh, overvalued. I mean, Granted, you know, Apple, you, know, you don't see PEs in the 50, 60, 70 times range, but 
you know, those might be justified for companies that are growing at 20, 25, 30% a year. Apple's not growing at all. And so 28 and 30 look, look expensive. Clem, what are some of the positive things we could say about Apple? Well, it, uh, and, and these are really the reasons why I still have it at all in my portfolio. It has strong profitability, uh, a 25% net profit margin. It has large positive free cash flow, 21% free cash flow margin. It has a low short interest ratio, 0.77%. So there aren't a lot of short sellers trying to, to sell it, um, sell it forward. Uh, and also uh, the company's Glassdoor rating, you know, Glassdoor uh, uh, surveys employees uh, about how they feel about their companies. The Glassdoor rating suggests that Apple employees are very highly satisfied. So, yeah, those are those are very good things and a reason to hold it. It's just uh, the uncertainty about revenues and uh, and the high valuation, which, uh, you know, which concerns me. Clem, I guess on balance, you find that there are equal or better opportunities available for allocations in the portfolio. What do you think those would be? Well, you know, obviously I have a lot. I mean, I have a number of stocks in my portfolio, including uh, others in the Magnificent Seven. Uh, I hold uh, right now among the Magnificent Seven companies, uh, I hold not in addition to Apple, where I'm you know, significantly underweight. I also hold uh, I also hold Amazon. I hold Google. Uh, I hold that is Alphabet. I should say uh, Amazon, Alphabet, uh, Meta, and Microsoft. Uh, I hold those in um, in weights that are under uh, that are less than S and P market weights, uh, but you know much larger amounts than I would hold uh, than I hold Apple in. Um, so yes, those are the better opportunities. But I think conceptually. You know, one should always question whether the company with the largest market cap weight in the S&P 500 can really maintain that position. If history is any guide, I think we will see the rankings evolve and Apple will fall out of that top spot. And what we really want to be in are the stocks uh, that can replace Apple uh, in that top spot down the road. Good advice. Um, I think we'll look at the mailbag and the only question, the questions in there is, do we own Apple? Um, you've answered your question. Um, we currently don't. Um, we like Google. We like Microsoft. We don't like Tesla. We don't like um, Meta or Facebook. And uh, let's see, what other? We do like NVIDIA. So, um, in some ways, it comes down to, like you said, um, the growth rate you're paying for, the PE you're paying for the growth rate. And we like the PEG, and we use that in our analysis. Um, do you want to sum it up for Apple, Bob? Well, I would just say, uh, you know, going over the key points uh, that we've talked about today. Uh, first of all, uh, Apple uh, is definitely a stock you can't ignore uh, being the uh, highest weighted stock in the S&P 500. It's a, a stock where there are serious concerns about whether it can maintain revenue growth and earnings growth. 
there are issues with regard to Apple's uh, interplay uh, with China, both in terms of uh, demand and potential uh, geopolitical risks uh, now and down the road. Uh, there are, uh, you know, issues surrounding where, you know, sort of chip supply that arise from those geopolitical risks and how long it might take Apple to develop sourcing from outside the region. You know, EU competition policy plays a role uh, with respect to uh, potential Apple ability to do business in the EU. Uh, the app, app Store, I would say, might be uh, something that the EU might take a look at. Uh, and, uh, and I think probably the most important thing, uh, in addition to... Um, you know, the revenue concerns is the fact that it's gotten more expensive. I mean, they'd had a nice run in 2023 and then, uh, you know, up through the early fall. And then since then it's been, you know, valuations have gotten more and more expensive as revenue has tailed off. So yeah, I don't like those valuations, uh, but I find enough in the high profitability, the high free cash flow, uh, the low short interest ratio, and employee satisfaction to to keep my foot in the door of Apple, uh, but you know at far less than the full market rate. So that would be my summary. Thanks. Um, I appreciate all the analysis, and I think you did a great job. Um, check in uh, soon on our list. Uh, we're going to have a podcast about the uh, top five personal finance tips for people getting started with their investments. Again. Happy New Year, and we look forward to delivering results and podcasts that you enjoy. Thanks again. The views shared on this podcast represent the personal investment views of the hosts. They are for educational purposes and not meant to be taken as investment advice. Listeners should consult their own investment, legal, and tax advisors. Past performance of any investments is not a guarantee for future return.